Welcome everybody to the Spawn on Me podcast. This is episode 126 and I am your host. Co- oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> I am the one and only Caesar himself, the Bruce Wayne of Bricago, uh, Cicero Holmes, a.k.a. Stubby Stan, uh, standing in for our great captain, Khalif Adams, who is not here right now. We'll talk about that in a second. Um but I am here with my brother from another mother. Uh, he makes gaming look good all the time. He is the one and only Mr. Sharif Jackson. How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. But like, if you're Bruce Wayne, like, I guess I'm. I guess I'm Nightwing. I'm, I'm yeah, the Nightwing of Chicago because I'm not going to be Robin. So I'll, 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 right, no doubt. I'm be the Nightwing. No I'm no Nightwing. You could, you could be. You could be the Black Hood, yo. You yeah, could be sure. Azrael. That <laughs> could be Azrael, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know enough like uh, scripture to be uh, uh, Azrael, but oh, word, okay, you know, all right. You know, I, was, no I roll with Nightwing. I like the no sticks. Doubt. I like the sticks. No doubt. How how how's uh, how's everything going for you today? Good man. Like I finally moved to the new apartment. Um, word, so, so I'm set up like in the middle of my living room right now, surrounded by boxes and furniture. Um, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we're really happy though. It's, it's like, it's like a lot bigger. It's a lot more space. Um, so that means more places for me to wander around with my Oculus Rift on and bump into things. Uh, more, more on that later. So it's cool. Word up. Uh, the, the, the real question that Bricago wants to know is, is there a shopping cart in your living room? Yo, man, I, I had to, that was the biggest thing I had to give up moving to this uh, new apartment. No shopping carts. Oh, uh, damn. damn. So to... I, I know the fans have always, you know, headed by uh, Gamertag Radio's Paris Lily have always been big fans <laughs> of the shopping cart. Yes. Uh, but that means all future Gameless Good videos will not have a shopping cart unless I decide to film outside of a grocery store, which well, you, I don't know well, if hey. I do that. I mean, you could do it. You could, could do, it. do it. I could yeah, do it. Yeah. Or I could yeah. break out with a shopping cart, you know. Word. Uh, Word. <laughs> just yeah. running down with a GoPro on your head. Yeah, I could just be out. Filming. Like, <laughs> I could just do like a quick five-minute like video of me out of breath, like running down the street <laughs> with uh, security guards chasing me. I want, I want uh, a, a Gaming Looks Good video. With you in a shopping cart, like rolling down a hill on a GoPro and like doing like just a serious video, like nothing <laughs> else is going on. Like what? What are you talking about? Yeah. You're just doing the video. That, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. It, it, it would basically be like the um, like the homeboy shopping network on a living color. <laughs> Word. You know, because I, they always had a shopping cart at all times. Yeah. So, yeah. Know. Um, that would be weirdly disturbing, but awesome, but also weirdly disturbing, uh, but awesome was our episode last week with Tim Rogers, um, from action button, uh, makers of video ball. What an amazingly weird and just wonderful episode that was, uh, Tim was awesome. Yes. And, and, and it was, it was weird in a good way, you know, it was absolutely in the best way possible. It it was very, um, I think a lot of people are very interested in the mind of a game developer and a game designer. 
Um, and he really brought you in that mind. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know? he did. And yes, uh, yeah, did. it was, it, it, it was great. And like video ball is an awesome game. Definitely right. check it out on PS4 and on steam. If you haven't already, um, right. great game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, always fantastic to see and hear and talk to people that are incredibly smart. Um, and you could tell from the conversations that Tim was having with us and sometimes with himself um, that that <laughs> he he is incredibly, incredibly smart. And that, that was amazing. Um, so, uh, you, you know, um, oh, before before we move on to our guest, uh, who is also incredibly smart and also a game designer, uh, we we do want to talk about. Uh, very quickly, the the slight elephant in the room. By this time, uh, if you guys are following our Twitter feeds, you probably know that our great Captain Khalif Adams and Mrs. Adams, whom uh, both worked at the same place, were laid off late last week or in the middle of last week. Um, and they are, uh, you know, now looking for work. So if you guys know some work, um, if you want Khalif to be the best that he can be, um, go ahead and send us any and all uh, information on the West Coast primarily. I think he wants to stay in Portland, um, but uh, especially if there are any game devs, uh, Steve Gaynor, we're talking to you, uh, that are looking for PMs or, uh, or uh, community managers. Um, hit, hit Khalif up at, at Kajakens or hit Spawn on Me up. Or email us at spawnonmepodcast at gmail.com. Yep, and and uh, they're specific, specifically looking for, as you said, like the community manager stuff, also comms, production, PR, um, and really like things in the uh, in, in 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 the gaming industry and the web design industry as well. So. Um, you, you know they're uh, out of Portland, so like if like if 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 like we have any Portland area connects, definitely let us know. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's get our bruh um, some gainful employment because uh, Mickey Fickies need to eat. I know. I mean, Bracago is not going to survive with right. with 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 this de facto mayor uh, right. out of a job. So you know, <laughs> I mean, like we. We we gotta get this going. And speaking of going, y'all, Word once up. again, we have another dope guest. Another dope guest for y'all. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, so like, so like, there's been a lot of very, a lot of very interesting games um, that um, that I played recently. Um, I specifically, you know, I'm a big indie indie fan. So like, so like, I like playing kind of. Um, you know the games that kind of give maybe a shorter but a more impactful um, experience than the big triple A's. Um, and I recently p- played a game, Easy Level Life, um, and I thought that the game was like very, very uh, short and powerful, and very um, you know um, indicative of a lot of the um, issues that. I won't say are just going on today because they've been going on for a long time, but have, you know, in the mainstream kind of. Um, so uh, we 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 have from uh, from uh, Resync uh, and timecube timecube.itch.io. Um, sorry, my uh, mouth is uh, got marbles in it. 
we have Evie. How are you doing? Hey there. I'm doing good. Um, excited to be on the show. Not used to doing podcasts. <laughs> You're a podcast pro. You, you, you know, I'm. I mean, like you should have heard our first episodes. I mean, like we were just like, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> right. Remember yeah. that time you did that thing? That was cool. Um, yeah. Well, you you've uh, even you've been you've been kind of making making the rounds right now on a on a press podcasting press junket, some would say. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and we're really excited to be part of that press junket, but also excited the fact that, that you've been able to do that. Uh, so like, uh, you recently were on an episode of, uh, our Bricago sis, uh, Tanya to passes fresh out of tokens. And, uh, you, you've been in a bunch of, uh, different, uh, websites and publications, uh, digital publications talking about your game. Uh, how does it fe- how does it feel to have people pay attention and notice uh, the hard work that you guys are going into? Um, it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I mean, game development is still pretty new for me, um, okay. and I'm one of those people who never really like to do anything short. Like, even when I was writing fanfic, I would have, like, 60,000 word fanfics. Um, And I'm I'm one of those, like, really long-form people. So, like, releasing short games and having people actually care about them is, um, it's like a whole new world. I I, I think I was mentioning not too long ago that there's a moment where um, an indie, like, realizes that they can call themselves a game developer and like they feel like they've arrived, and I guess this would be that moment. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, sweet, yeah. So, so, so um, I saw coverage of your game on uh, Kill Screen, um, and you know I saw the title, which said it was like a video game for Black Lives Matter. When I first saw the title, I was like, "What? What kind of clickbait kind of stuff?" Right? Yeah, <laughs> I saw that title, and I was just like. I don't know when you got the idea that that like this was the specific thing that I was thinking when I went into making the game, but um... <laughs> yeah. So 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 um so uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about the game and talk about exactly what was going through through your mind d- d- during the creation of this because because we know that you took some time off your main project off of resync to uh, churn this out. So just, just, just like tell the people a little bit about that journey. Um, so this probably was the, the, that like short period of time, about 24 hours where two different black men were shot to death by police. Um, right. And I mean, like, at this point, I, I can't even say I'm not really used to it happening because I I'm, I sort of am. Like I, when it happens, when somebody becomes a new hashtag, you get this unfortunate, like sickening, like calm feeling. Like okay, again, as right. usual. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, I could say that again today, right? Uh, right. Right. <laughs> so, um, I guess it was just like having two of them so close together, and then. Um, for the for Lando, um, who was like murdered in his car in front of his 
his girlfriend and and his daughter um four-year-old daughter like baby baby like four or five years old and you know she's comforting her mother and like there's a video of course everybody's spreading the video and um you know having all of that all at once was just like too much and at that point i was really I, i pretty much like dropped everything and was like okay i'm gonna make this game um and originally, I was I was really in a vindictive kind of mood, <laughs> so um, a lot sure. of things ended up cut out of the game that I would have really I really really wanted to put in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I decided to really make it about the the actual experience of uh, facing police brutality um, as a black person and kind of expressing how there's there's just no right answer. You know, I, you always see those questions where people are like, well, you know, what did they do that they got shot? And I really wanted to answer that question with, like, a hearty, resounding, nothing! They don't have to do right. anything! Right, right, right. Well, and, and proof positive, as you kind of alluded to um, as, you were, as you were starting your conversation today, uh, on Thursday, as we normally record, Charles Kinsey in North Miami was uh, was shot <laughs> while famously at, at this point, by the time you guys are hearing this, I'm sure you guys already know. Uh, luckily, uh, Charles Kinsey didn't die, but but was shot literally laying in the street with his hands up. It's unbelievable. Doing doing nothing to provoke uh, the authorities or provoke. Um, being or warranted being shot. Um, he was actually trying to be a hero and, and help his autistic student that had escaped from his, the, the group home uh, who was playing in the street with a toy truck, as everyone knows. And, of course, the best part is Charles Kinsey is shot. Uh, he asked the officer why he shot him, and the officer Ooh. says, I don't. I don't know. Dude, and, <laughs> I don't and even don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, and and like not only was he not a threat, but he was explaining to the cop what he was doing. Right. Like he was like right. I'm not armed, I'm right. helping like the same thing that like uh that that like that uh Castile was in the car right. like I have right. a gun, I'm reaching for my so it's right. oh my god, it's right. so right. infuriating like it is. even it when really... we comply and try to <laughs> tell the cops exactly what we're doing you get shot right right uh it's it's well you know you know and that that was that was the thing so when i read i read the uh kill strain article and i was like oh wow there is the there really isn't anything that you can do in this game that won't prevent you from being shot and i was like you know wow some people are going to see this um and and we'll say that it's a, it's a little fatalist and and unrealistic, um, and because you know for for whatever reason because I'm an idiot like that I I you know I look at people that are allies or on the fringes being allies and I try to find things for them to latch onto to to help them understand exactly what it is that we're going through so that they can actually truly become allies and i look at things and you know and sometimes we do things where it's like eh, 
maybe we shouldn't present that in that way. It may, you know, it may detract from, even if it's the truth, it may detract from things. Um, but so, so spinning all of that back, going back and saying, I saw, I saw your game was like, Oh, maybe that's a little fatalist. But then of course now with, with hindsight and, and everyone now being able to know about Charles Kinsey, you can see that your game is not only, True to life, it's it's almost like a documentary. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I the, the scenarios I chose, I put in there because there was a, a real life scenario that matched it, and I yeah, knew right. um, that that certain people would be like, uh, but that, that's not really true. You you could theoretically right. blah blah blah, and it's like right. I expected that. So at the very end, I actually explain. Um, where each scenario came from and i give like a long list of people who were murdered for essentially doing nothing for standing around for holding candy for playing music right right? like for being a child on a sidewalk um right and i did that on purpose because i i expected that reaction yeah. 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 And the um, you know, when you sort of have these um, facsimile like newspaper articles at the end where it kind of shows the justifications that the cops use, they're they're stri- ripped straight from the headlines. I mean, these are things that people have said that, oh, yeah, like he hulked up and, and uh, <laughs> came at us. I mean, this is real. This yeah. like it was so like I just. I feel like life is so weird right now because this stuff seems like it's cartoonist and absurdist, but it's not right. You right. know, it it is, it is very much the same. Um, you know, we are, we are not like, it's, it's almost like we're living in 1916 and not 2016 with, with regards to the way people, um, uh, excuse away our our humanity you know and 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 somehow believe that we are both subhuman and superhuman simultaneously but never never are we human um and and it it is it is it is very 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 weird um and you know it's 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 kind of telling we you know we just um, we, we're just removed from the Republican National Convention, and um, the opening day had America's mayor. Um, uh, unfortunately, my mayor, while I lived in New York City, um, uh, Rudolph Giuliani, go and yeah, he—I he, mean, he really is a piece of shit. He—he he really is. If there's anyone, anyone <laughs> within the sound of my voice um, that believed at any moment. That Rudy Giuliani was um, a, a worthwhile candidate for um, for president. Uh, let me tell you that you couldn't be more wrong. Um, and if you watched his speech um, th- this past week at the Republican National Convention, you would have seen exactly why. Because it looked like he was auditioning for Mein Kampf um, 2016. It, it was it was it, it looked like a a Nazi rally that he was trying to lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like when you think about it, like when you think of, you know, um, games like the ones that we're talking about here. Right. Giuliani, you can really bring a lot of that tough on crime stuff 
he wasn't the first one ever to do that, right. obviously. Right. But but in terms of modern history, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a federal prosecutor, right? right. Like that right. that took down all these mafia people right. under the Reagan administration, and when like he became mayor, he he was the one that. You know, him and, like, William Bratton, you know, did all that three strikes laws and hardcore sentences for, like, misdemeanors. Um, And then, obviously, all the, you know, all the shootings in New York that, like, happened, how he always stood by the cops kind of no matter what. Back then, obviously, like, there weren't iPhones and stuff to capture this this video. And and obviously, there wasn't kind of social media. But I think... A lot of the stuff that we see now, I see the genesis of when I was a kid and like uh, saying, what the hell is going on in New York? You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, and the, the irony is, and I'm sorry, I keep, I keep going. The irony is much like, you know, much like what we're faced with here in the United, in the United States or, or for, the, for the nation uh, in this general election, it was the blowback, the course correction from having a black mayor um, yeah. in New York, that that led to Rudy Giuliani. So if if uh, if there are black people within the sound of my voice that are even thinking about voting for Donald Trump, um, the black Republican is telling you not to do so. So um, don't don't just say no, just say no. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. So um, sorry. Yeah, so so um but back to the game. So I'm really curious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm I mean this is all conversation talking about the game really. I mean. Right. Um so so I know that um you know that like uh you are into coding. So like I'm really curious is that how do you like did you do this entire project yourself i know in the kill screen article it mentions that you did have like an artist to like handle like the art and stuff um but like how do you as a coder how how do you do like the straight technical part and the other kind of like the visualization the pacing the art you know how do you how do you build the whole picture of a game being you know a uh on on the engineering side um so actually um i started as an artist um when i first started college i was an illustration major um and before that i had been a musician for multiple years and um did a lot of creative writing so the the, yeah the the programming section was actually the very last uh thing i learned um and it's it's really important and so people i think um when they ask about games and they like think about games they think of it as sort of two parts the art part and the programming part but um i had experience in the artistic side um the the writing side the music side before i ever got into the tech so it was it wasn't i mean i i I still think that i have a lot to learn as a game designer um but Mm -hmm. as far as having a picture in my head and being able to paint it that's not that's kind of where I come from more than the tech. Right. So, so what drew you to games? What was your first, what was your first love in games? So my, I'm, I'm boring. Uh, my first, my first, <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to have games when I was really young um, at all. My parents pretty much set their foot down and my dad was like, 
one of those really outdoorsy sports kind of people. So he was like, playing games is for losers who stay inside all day. You have to get the <laughs> hell out the house. Right? He sounded, he sounded just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something, I, I'm pretty yeah. close. I'm pretty close. Um, but, yeah, so I was not allowed to have any kind of console or anything like that. My cousin had, like, the original Atari and the um, the NES. And so I played, like, things like Yoshi's Cookie and, like, the original 1985 Mario Brothers um, sure. and, nice. and NES Baseball, which is, like, one of my favorite games. Oh, God. <laughs> good game. Oh my goodness. I, I, I love that. That game. game was awesome. Like, and once you figured it out, it was it was fun. I mean, but of course, at this point, I'm like five years old or something like that. So there was like a huge gap uh, where, I, again, I wasn't allowed to have games. My cousin got rid of the the NES, so that was kind of a lost cause. And I ended up getting um, one year. My parents finally let me have a Game Boy Pocket for Christmas, and I got Pokemon Blue that year for Christmas. Nice. Um, so Pokemon Blue was probably what really brought me into games um, because it was like my first JRPG and that's my favorite uh, game type by far. So from there I like broke into, at that point like Nintendo was remaking all of their old SNES games for the Game Boy now that the Game Boy like was actually worth shit. So right. mm-hmm. I was playing a lot of games that originally were for SNES, a couple for PS1. Um, so things like Breath of Fire. I got really into the Breath of Fire series. Sure. Um, so after that, like games started coming out like Golden Sun. Um, a lot of Atlas games mm-hmm. in general I really liked. Uh, and right. when I turned 18, I was finally able to buy myself a PlayStation. <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have one until I turned 18. So I bought myself a PlayStation 2, and I think that was the year I bought Kingdom Hearts, I bought Final Fantasy X, um, and I had versions of Final Fantasy seven, eight, and 9 from the PS1 that kind of crappily worked on the PS2, and that, I mean, from there, it just exploded. Nice. Very nice. It it just went all crazy. Pretty much. Um, like now that I can buy my own games, I'm kind of sad because like I used to have to wait for my birthday or Christmas, and now it's like, oh, game came out. Now I want it, but now I get yeah. But now I don't get anything for Christmas because I get all the games I want before Christmas. Yeah. Now, n- now, um, now, when you went into these other in the disciplines like creative writing and uh, music, um. Did you do those with sort of gaming in mind or like were those sort of other, just like general pursuits that you later applied to, to, to gaming? Um, so as far as uh, the creative writing aspect, that probably came from watching like Pokemon and Sailor Moon around the age of 11 um, and unfortunately having a school computer with no like child lock <laughs> anything and uh nice. <laughs> finding <laughs> finding all that dragon moon x shit online <laughs> which got me into like fanfic and creative writing which i i ended up doing more of in high school and taking classes in high school on that um as far as music i had been into music pretty much since i was about four or five years old so that was always there um in high school i ended up taking up uh, multiple instruments 
because apparently I could learn them pretty quick. Um, so, That's yeah, dope. that had always been there. Um, the art, it was also something I, w- I would say I picked up in junior high. Um, at that time, I really wanted to go into animation, but I mm. I realized that, like, art wasn't really my passion. Like, I like it, but doing it makes me, like, want to fall in a ditch and die. So, <laughs> so I, I have, I'm, I'm capable of doing some stuff and you'll, you'll see like little parts of, um, my games that I did and they blend in because they're small, but I know I did them and that's why they look ugly to me. <laughs> um, but that's something that I decided I would leave to another artist, somebody who was way better at it and way faster at it and way less hating themselves at it than I was. <laughs> and so I left that for them and I picked up uh, programming instead right on right on that's that's uh, that's really dope so I, I what are you playing right now or whether what are the JRPGs that uh, really kind of rise your you know make you stand up at, at attention Kingdom Hearts <laughs> <laughs> but there's no new Kingdom Hearts out right I now. I know. You know. Well, yeah, I'm replaying Kingdom Hearts because I have a really bad habit of replaying games rather than playing new ones. So, like, I have, like, the second Bravely Default. Bravely Second, I think it's called. I bought right, it, but right. I didn't finish Bravely Default. So, like, I refuse to, to even open the case until I finish Bravely Default. But the issue with Bravely Bravely Default is that I put, like, 125 hours into it, but was still only three-quarters of the way through the game. And so now I have to start over because I'm like, damn, I don't remember, like, half the story. And that happens to be a lot. Like, I I get really into games. So I have a a long list of games I have played until the very last boss but refused to finish. And I think it's partially because of Kingdom Hearts and, like, especially Kingdom Hearts 2 – I, when I finished Kingdom Hearts 2, I was, like, crying. Because I was like, I will never play this game for the first time ever again. And so I have, <laughs> I have, like, this weird innate fear of, like, finishing a game for the first time. And it's the best thing I've ever played. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get that back. But um, the game I played most recently and finished, like, in two nights was, um, what's it called? Zero Time Dilemma. Which is the... it's So it's the third part of a trilogy that starts with um it's for the the 3ds and the previous okay. version virtue's last uh reward was also for the 3ds and the first game that came out was i think i think it's called nine hours nine doors nine persons but it's usually just nicknamed nine 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 oh yeah that, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that yep. game yeah it's sure and so yeah so that was the it's first game in too. the series um and yeah. that game is it smoke is so much crack but you just get addicted <laughs> to it, much like you would crack. <laughs> so... <laughs> Back of the box. <laughs> so I finished that game in like two days, and I'm still pretty fucked up from it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've actually heard good things about it because I know it came out on uh, Steam as well for Windows. Mm-hmm. Is, is it? Is do you think you can jump into Zero Time? dilemma without playing the other ones or nah, like you kind of need you gotta be story? so fucking lost no you you <laughs> you have okay because like like it uses all the same characters for each one so if you didn't play the first game you don't know any like you don't know 
at least a few of the characters from the second game um, that end up coming up. And then for the third game, if you didn't play the second game, you don't have any idea about, like, I want to say half of the characters from this game at all. Like, and, and it's pretty much all of the major characters from the second game are major, really important characters from the third game. And they do, like, try to explain to you what happened in the second game and what happened in the first game. But without having played it, I, I mean, I really think that if you're going to go for it, just go all in. The games are, I mean, the first two games are probably pretty cheap now. So if you're going to do it, do it the right way. All right. Well, there you go. Well, all right. Now, uh, you you made mention to favorite games. Maybe it's your favorite game. What is your favorite Kingdom game? Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2. So you got you got little fake cloud with the key. <laughs> and, he's not fake cloud. And, no, he's like he's like, okay. <laughs> you can't call Sora fake cloud cuz cloud was like that emo depressed dude that like you're just like, damn, Cloud, why are you sad all the time? You need to, like, get your life right. or something. <laughs> right? Like, Sora's not like that. Sora is like Naruto. He's, like, mad hyper. Uh. He's, like, he's like high on life. He's dumb as a bucket of rocks. Like, and you just love that. He's, like, your typical shonen hero. And you're just like, aw, right. baby. Right. right? And, like, but he, he does have that, like, Sephiroth, Kadaj like friends with the white hair and like the Mako colored eyes as they like they say right. so like and that's Riku and he's like he's your emo guy for pretty much all like, okay so the first game he's like asshole guy and then there's like a whole stretch of like six games where he's emo guy and then only right. recently in this last game has he kind of grown back out of emo guy into like normal suave dude <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how Sasuke made all those transitions during Naruto where he's like he's just a little baby <laughs> to start with and then he's like well I'm gonna kill everybody now <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets right. cool again at the ends <laughs> right now now, um, since that's your favorite game do you feel like the Kingdom Hearts series is it a series that you think is like you're happy with like what they've done and you think that it's sort of a satisfying group of games or like do you think that they should continue to to make new n- new games in the series so they kind of have to make new games in the series because um the story is it is not done <laughs> it is not done so like we got left at a cliffhanger at the end of the most recent game which was for the 3DS, Dream Drop Distance, and they're also re-releasing that um, in high def. Um, I think that's 2.8. I don't know. I can't even keep track of these numbers. They'd be like, Kingdom Hearts, square root of 17.579, you know, hours. (laughs) Not an exaggeration. Hours times minutes plus seconds, you know, sun, moon, That's not an exaggeration. (laughs) The the names of these games just getting, you know, they just out of here right now. But um, I can't can't remember, like, the the new special remake names that great. But, yeah, so they are re-releasing that. Or I think it's already out for the PS4. Um, uh, okay, good, good. Because because like I was a little worried about this and some other games when I found out that it has like um, eight Dis- versions. Well, so, well, so <laughs> <Eight games>. so <laughs> like when I found out that Disney 
you know, was one of those companies that was skipping out of E3 in that there were rumors that, you know, that they were kind of, you know, kind of maybe not interested in gaming as much anymore and like that kind of stuff. And I know that, you know, they're a part of Kingdom Hearts and like I know a lot of other friends that are really into the series and like they were like, oh, does this mean that, you know, that, that we might not get any more or, or are they just looking to do their own events or, you know, that kind of See, thing. See, the thing is that Disney... Even though Disney has a part in Kingdom Hearts, they're not really in control. Uh, like, like Disney in the U.S. has never really paid much attention to Kingdom Hearts. Like, you don't find any Kingdom Hearts stuff at any of the Disney Worlds or Disneylands here. But, like, Tokyo so Disney weird. is huge. Like, they have it, exactly what you would expect from, like, your average Disney movie in a Disney park here. They have, for Kingdom Hearts, um, for... Uh, the Japanese Disneylands and Disney World. So, I mean, I would not really look at what Disney here is doing as, you know, a, an indication of how Kingdom Hearts is going to roll because Kingdom Hearts is really Squeenix's baby and it just right. borrows. Like, the main story is not about, like, the Disney characters at all. The only character I, the characters, I gotta say, that really matter um, as far as Disney goes are Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. And for the most part, like, Donald and Goofy are just Sora's equally stupid friends. <laughs> no, I mean, they're dumb. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty much a trope at this point that, like, these are, like, the three stooges. Um, and Mickey is, like, the soup. Like, he, he's painted as pretty smart, but I, I think he's, like, painted as kind of his, um, his animated version self where he's like pretty smart but like ends up in trouble in this case mickey's usually solving everybody's problems and like in kingdom hearts 2 especially like mickey if you die mickey will come back sometimes and like save you and heal you um so he's he's kind of your savior he's he's like the king of like uh the disney castle and all of that and he does a lot of cool little things and he knows a lot of really interesting information about the characters that he won't even tell Sora so um but like that's really mu pretty much it every other character is either from another Squeenix game or originally made for Kingdom Hearts like it's, it's not really a Disney production <laughs> and honestly like with the way the games have been going the games have gotten really dark um yeah that's, pretty yeah, that's what I yeah, keep hearing yeah and like honestly if, you, if, if I really think about it the game started getting dark Back with three, five, eight days over two, that game got right. dark. <laughs> that is a real that, title. No, that's legitimately Ladies like so. Gentlemen. So I played that game it's in Japanese awesome first. So like I have like all of the the memory of it in Japanese, and it's literally called three, five, eight days over two. But like the way they write it is like as a fraction with days at the end, so it doesn't even look like it's 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 a it's a shit mess. Like it's a shit mess. But yeah, that game yeah. started getting uh -huh. dark. Like, that was the first game where they really tried to experiment with, like, killing major characters. And then, like, the game that came out right after that, Birth by Sleep, they killed all the major characters. I mean, you know, they're like, they're like Disney dead. So, like, they're dead. Disney no, they're, dead. But no, but, like, you know what I mean. Like, they're, they're... I like that. They're like children's show dead, where it's like they're dead, but if they come back, you're not really surprised. You know, if a Dragon Ball shows right. up somewhere... And right. you know they all get healed magically. You're not really surprised, even though as far as we're you know as far as we're concerned right now they're all dead. Um, right. Yeah. And so in the most recent game, this is the first game that's actually tried to do this. And what a, 
the biggest thing I love about Kingdom Hearts is that they have villains that grow and progress as the story goes on. So the villain, like, first tries to just flat out take out Sora, like, just kill him, right? That doesn't work. Sora's too strong. Fine. So he, like, tries to fuck with Sora's head so that Sora has to, like, end up in this coma for, like, a year, right? That doesn't work. Uh-huh. Okay, he's got to try something else. Well, let's let's try to use these, like, copies of Sora. And that's another, like, trope about the game. Like, everybody's really Sora. <laughs> um, so, like, <laughs> let's try to use these copies of Sora to keep... So- oh, no, that didn't work. Okay, well, let's just try to beat the <laughs> shit out of Sora again. Nope, that's not working. Right? So, none of these things are working. So, in the most recent game, they're like, well, let's use... Sora's biggest strength against him which is like his love for his friends and like his dedication to like whatever goodness light however they call it in Kingdom Hearts um and he like he pretty much almost he almost kicks the bucket for sure um in kind of the worst way and it's only because he has not Disney dead yeah no like like he no he was almost like for real dead um but the last game perma Disney the last game I also gonna say (laughs) the last game also like so you know how Squeenix is like they love their pretty boys and they love like having trios with one girl in them so like the main character you don't know who the main character could really get with and Kingdom Hearts right. takes that to the nth level and I think in this last game like I feel like Nomura was just really tired of like fake like fake gay in it and like he kind of went he went all the way on this one he went he went full gay okay it wasn't full gay but like it was definitely way more gay than any other Squeenix game I have ever seen I was actually quite I was I was surprised (laughs) because I was like Riku are you okay so Riku is like this character and there's been hints since like there's like seven games in the Kingdom Hearts series right now if you don't include like the MMO thing Right, so there are seven games, and there are hints in every game that Riku is in that he's kind of got this, like, obsessive, romantic thing for Sora. Um, And in the most recent game, like, he doesn't even try to hide it anymore because he's, like, trying to hide it at least and try to just be like, oh, I have to sacrifice myself for Sora, which is like, okay, you know, you can... All right, maybe you're still bros, but then in this one, he's like, Sora's smile just lights up my life, and I'm just like, oh... (laughs) <laughs> Whatever. we just went all the way okay right. so if anyone has ever questioned whether or not there are stories in video games um, I will just replay the last 15 minutes of this show and you can learn at, that it, at the very least the Kingdom Hearts franchise is complex and as as varied as anything that you've ever consumed ever in it your life. It has all like the 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 literal the uh the uh like it has all the genres at once. Like it gets dark, it has your happy stuff, it has your comedy, it has your sadness, it has your gay romance. Right. It's it's got everything. <laughs> it is a veritable emotional roller coaster. It really is. And it all wrapped up into one franchise across seven games. So we've talked a little bit about how um, how like this was sort of your side project from Resync, but we haven't really talked about what Resync is <laughs> and uh, what it is. So uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what Resync is and uh, how far along are you with it? 
Oh, so I have had a lot of trouble really pinning down my feelings on Resync, which is my my main large project um, and kind of my JRPG baby. Um, the first term that comes to mind is that it's an, it's an empathy builder. Um, okay. But, you know, your main character falls into this... Uh, this digitized world, and I, I really don't want to give away too much. Uh, <laughs> but okay. Okay. they have to, I guess, kind of build out their story, but you know, stay cognizant of the people who already live in the city that they've fallen into. Um, and the game is designed to kind of make you think about yourself and like the choices you make in dealing with people um, as on an empathy scale. So okay. it's, it's, we're still pretty early in um, on that. Uh, we're, I think we're six months in development on that. So we're still, you know, doing prototyping and, and working things out. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that, you know, we're going to try to release a prototype first and kind of, see if that's uh if people like it um and then hopefully do a kickstarter uh to fund oh, the nice. rest of the game yes yeah, so i've gotten lucky Great. where people have decided to privately fund the prototype um and so we're expecting that to be done around early november oh that's fantastic that's fantastic yes so 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 when you talk about empathy and you know different characters I always wonder from a design from a game design standpoint that means you have to design now I'm not a game designer by any means but I'm just thinking of how it probably works in the back end you have to have some kind of system that constantly maintains the states of all these different characters not just in terms of like how they react to you you know this like empathy monitor different different dialogue trees and like, and like choices when you're designing a game, does that part, that kind of structure usually come first, like before sort of the, uh, the visuals and the graphics and all that stuff, or like, is it kind of mixed in and more of like a iterative process? So the thing about the structures that you just mentioned, they're actually not, they're not that difficult to implement programmatically. They're more difficult to debug. Um, mm. And just in general, um, as far as how indie games run, people want constant vertical slices. And I, I have started, like, I've seen some indie developers who have, like, way better, bigger things than I do complain about, like, the constant need to build out vertical slices of of play um, every so often so that your fan base stays entertained. And I'm starting to realize as well that like needing a complete vertical slice actually slows down a lot of the, um, the really detailed development um, because I can't just focus on, okay, I'm going to spend like this week, this two, you know, this next two weeks, this month building out this thing and making sure it works perfectly. Um, I need to 
spend a quick week on that and then I need to spend a quick week on building out more more visuals for people to look at and then spend a week building out more text for people to go through um and you you constantly have to update like smaller features and like um I want to say like flavor stuff because that's what really that's what people are looking for that's what sells the game initially initially um the the flavor and the the feeling and the atmosphere mm-hmm. uh rather than the mechanics until you get like your until you get that prototype out so um it it it, it gets a little rough as far as implementing that but I would not say that that was implemented first I would actually uh, at this moment it's it's going to be one of the last things um that gets implemented because it's okay. not visible because it's like you say it's back end it's not visible and so people don't really care until they actually have right. to deal with the prototype and experience um you know what the back end is actually doing yeah and, and and that makes sense you know because with all these games out all this competition like you kind of got to hook people in first right and and then as they dive deeper in that's when a lot of that back end stuff becomes more, more important absolutely um yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This is fascinating. But, you know, um, I wouldn't actually also... say that other games are, are competition directly. Um, okay. This this is something that I think a lot of indie game people really like try to talk about and quantify. You know, about having direct competition. Like, no two games are alike, right? Like, games are not a commodity. It's not like apples. It's not like if um, you know one person does a JRPG. That's going like it had that has like let's say some set of features that's going to you know directly fight people buying this other JRPG. Um, it depends if you really like JRPGs and both of them are good but different enough, people will just buy both, right? So it's not right. like an apple where pretty much anywhere you go, an apple is an apple. Right, right, yeah, you know, no, that's that. That's a good way to to think about it too. Um, now, now one, now I I also love how you brought up how you know obviously like you talked like before about having the music, the art background, like the writing background, as well as like the programming being being like the last thing. When when working on a team, like I guess, do you ever find it difficult because you have so many skills to let someone else that's do, doing one of those kind of like be more independent without, I guess, wanting to do that part like yourself because, be, because you can't do everything, but because you have all these different skills, I would think that you might have an idea in your head that like you want to directly implement like yourself, but like you kind of have to trust that the art person or music person or like, or like whatever, um, that like uh, they can do that on their own. Is that something? Is that like a pressure that like you ever feel, or like something that like you ever think when uh, working on on a resync? Um. So as far as programming pieces, um, no. Primarily because, okay. first of all, my fellow programmer is really, really talented. Um, Vixen is nice. super talented, and I would even say they're more talented than I am. Um, so once I, I I say, okay, well, this is the these are the details of what we need to do next. They implement it with no problem, and it's usually in 
probably the best way it could have been implemented um, given the, the time frame. So I don't really have a problem with that. And I feel that um, in general, two different people programming the same thing with the same tools are going to have fairly similar uh, implementations on a certain level. So I'm, all, I'm not worried about that just, just for the way code works um, and how implementing things in the engine we're using uh, works and for both of our skill levels as well. Um, as far as art, I often wish that I could take over, but um, <laughs> I, I am not nearly, again, as talented as the, the main artist who, you know, is, has, has a, um, a, a much larger background in doing art and, and specifically pixel art than I do. Um, I was more, uh, high res digital sketch art, um, you know, coming from that illustration background. So mm -hmm. I, I do often see things that I would like to fix. And what I usually end up doing is spending probably way too much time drawing mock-ups of them so that the artist right. can have a really clear um, idea of what they need to implement. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, cool. So I, I, I think we're 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 gonna wrap up the interview portion here, um, and we're gonna head to the news. Uh, but first, Cicero, why don't you hit us with the uh, ad break? I want to talk about our brand new sponsor, Fracture. What Fracture does is it takes the lost art of printing photos and it makes it fashionable again. Uh, imagine being able to take your precious moments and uploading them to a website and in a few days having a borderless, all glass, vivid and sleek version, rendition of your memory that you can place in your home or in a family's home or just display on a, on a table, what have you, very, very easily. And it matches any decor because, like I said, it's borderless and it's glass and it's beautiful. It's it's science. Um, Fracture is amazing. Fracture is affordable and Fracture is easy. So what you guys want to be able to do is uh, you want to use Fracture, obviously. So you want to go to FractureMe.com slash podcast. Answer the one question survey where they ask you where you heard about Fracture. And of course, you're going to say in Chicago, where everything is dope, spawn on me. And you watch the video, you can save some money, and you're going to use Fracture. Fracture is amazing. Check them out. FractureMe.com slash podcast. Answer the one, uh, one question survey and let them know Spawn on Me sent you. Thanks. Welcome back, y'all, to Spawn on Me. Um, and, uh, we are here with, with, uh, Evie and Cicero Holmes, um, shout out to, um, Ka, who is, uh, taking, taking a well-deserved night off, um, but you need to hire, but you need to hire that man. <laughs> and, uh, we are going to go into our news breakdown. Break it down. Um, and the first thing that we are going to talk about is uh the thing that everybody has been playing the thing that if, if you see people wandering around on their phones they're probably not texting they are probably catching pokemon so pokemon go uh was released in the u.s i think at this point about two weeks ago 
Um, and it's really become a phenomenon. I mean, that's kind of the only way I can really put it um, to the point where it's not only being reported on gaming sites. Um, I saw articles on it on Forbes, like the New York Times. Like I saw it on the on the nightly news, you know. And, like, I'm not just talking about where there's been accidents. I'm talking about, like, actual, like, here's some tips to play Pokemon Go, you know. Um, and just a short um, description for the people that might not be as familiar with it. So it's an aug- augmented reality game where you use your cell phone um, and it overlays kind of like a map of the actual world with a map that has... Pokemon, which are little creatures from the 90s, if you are, you know, if uh, you're young or you were a Pokemon hater back in the day, <laughs> um, and you basically, like, you like you throw these items called, like, a Pokemon, and you catch them, and you train them up, you fight other Pokemon, and the whole thing, you know, is a catchphrase, has got to catch them all, so, like, you want to collect all 150 um, of the uh, Pokemon that are uh, in this... Uh, in this game, and li- it, everybody's been playing this game. I've seen families out playing. People at work who I've never heard anyone talk about a game ever have been talking about this game. I've seen people in our parking lot just walking around, <laughs> like looking for like a Pokemon. And like, I'm talking about like, you know, like older folks. Like, so yeah, it's been a phenomenon. So, uh, Evie, have you been down with the Pokemon Go train or not? <laughs> I regret downloading this game so hard. (laughs) (laughs) And why do you regret it? Because I tried to avoid it. Like, I was like, I'm not downloading this shit because it's hot as fuck outside. And I'm not really trying to walk around in this heat in the hood in Brooklyn. Um, Try to catch these damn Pokemans. But um, I ended up taking a trip and... I just figured, oh, I'll download it real quick just to, like, take a look and see, you know, the Pokestops in the area. And now I'm, like, ankle deep in Poke shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it must be impossible to avoid in New York because, like, not only, obviously, is there more, like, foot traffic in public transportation, but, I mean, there's got to be Pokestops everywhere i mean like un- unless you live really far out in like brooklyn like like near jfk or that's something. that's exactly um, where i'm at so there ain't there oh, ain't nice. no poker shit there okay, gotcha. yeah that i mean there's like they were saying about like the redlining of um where poker stops are is I, yeah. I live in one of those areas where there aren't any okay yeah, yeah, and, and so, and what, 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 um, Evie is talking about is like there's been a lot of like discussion about how, you know, not that like, uh, that like Nintendo sat down and said, we're gonna, you know, not create stuff in the hood, but just because that the nature of the game is from another, uh, game called like Ingress, where like, uh, basic users would like submit like the portals in this game and and then that's the foundation of the pokemon go game and those portals tended to be in like you know in uh more uh affluent areas or like downtown areas so like so so like a lot of times you can almost tell sort of the uh socioeconomic status of an area by looking at the amount of like pokestops and gyms that are 
in the area. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty nuts, but you know, um, there was a, a hashtag called, uh, my, uh, Pokehood, uh, where, uh, people were like tweeting out, um, their like uh, race and their age and like a sort of how many Pokestops. And it was almost consistent that like, you know, even a city like Detroit, you know, which, you know, um, obviously has a bad rep, but it's still a major city, um, barely had any, like it was nuts, you know? So, um, yeah, that is definitely something that, that, that is being talked about a lot on social media. Um, as far as me, I mean, I'm pretty much very into this game. This is the first Pokemon property that I've really ever gotten really into, um and i like like i'm level 15 like i'm getting like like a thousand combat point pokemon i'm not trying to floss i'm just saying like i i i mean i'm trying to floss okay i i admit it um but um yeah um i'm in milwaukee um and i'm probably in the most walkable area of milwaukee so there's a lot of activity around me and i always run into people playing this game on bikes walking driving and please don't play this while you're driving oh don't, don't do it. it um because i actually saw a video i think it was in baton rouge yep. this guy just slammed slamming into a, a car, car a parked car like he could have killed like he could have killed someone like it was nuts you know um but yeah it is definitely a phenomenon um I think Nintendo's market share, you know, like it went up. Well, well, well like their their market cap, I should say. I think it went up about fourteen million, um, which is obviously a big shot in the arm that they need since the Wii U you oh. know, is not selling it. Is like not selling anything. Okay, because the Wii U is booming. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and 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 even even the 3DS sales are down because they've they've. They've uh, kind of saturized, uh, you know, like everybody has a 3ds. So, I've I've had 3ds's yeah. forever, and they I think they tried to do with the new 3ds, but I'm not buying a new 3ds. There's like two games that you can't play on the regular um, 3ds. It's not really worth it. Yeah, the new 3ds was kind of a bad choice. I mean, I think they really thought that like I think Xenoblade like required the new 3ds, and they thought that that would be enough to get people to buy it and it's, it's not no it's not. It, it, it it like wasn't a, a good choice i do have one but that's because i'm crazy <laughs> um you know i but uh yeah yeah so all right so so um so i think uh within a week expect Eevee to be le- level 50 <laughs> um and be you know probably about 99 percent done you know, like like her name is like gonna be all over these Brooklyn, all these, like these Brooklyn gyms. You know what I'm saying? All the, all, all all these Pokemon gyms, and you know, that's how that is that is how we're gonna do it. Um, all right, so uh, let's move from uh, Pokemon to the obvious obvious transition point, which is the Dark Knight. Um, so Tell Telltale, who you know has been really known for like kind of bringing back kind of like the uh point and click adventure games with the walking dead and like tales of the borderlands um you know um and the walking dead the the uh michon one as well um they announced well they they announced for like a while that like they are working on a batman game um and they finally released a a uh a uh, trailer for it and they mentioned that is coming out in august um 
And I think that one of the most interesting things about this game is that, you know, all the telltale games are like, are like decision based. So like, it's not going to be like a straight up action game, which is what most of the Batman games have like been up to this point. It's going to be a lot, a lot more focus on the detective side, on the, on, 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 on the, uh, investigation side. Um, so I'm pretty sure that they're going to have some, uh, action in there, but I think that this might actually surprise some Batman fans, fans, because I think people are going to go into this thinking like, Oh, it's going to be another Arkham game. And I'm going to be beating up, 40 people at once and throwing like a, like a batarangs. I'm sure that they'll have those, but like telltale is not known for their, you know, action sequences. So, um, I hope that like people kind of like approach this, um, really expecting it to be more like the other games. Uh, um, sorry, more like the other telltale games than like the, um, Arkham games by by our by our, by a rock city. So, um, Evie, are you a, a Telltale fan or Batman fan? And do you think that this will work as a combination? So, honestly, I don't I don't really know much about Telltale games. I've never played one. Um, I mean, I was into Batman the animated series back in the day, but I haven't like I've I've never been uh, much for playing video games based on like animated series so do i think it's gonna work um i usually see a pretty big divide in the kind of player that really likes action and the kind of player that likes a lot of decision making based like story-based decision making but Mm -hmm. i think that there is a happy medium um and that it it's possible to hit that happy medium where either way you're doing pretty good. So, I mean, it really depends on how much they consider the original fan base, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty hyped for this. Um when I was at uh GDC, um I uh you know, I, I got the opportunity to speak with um some folks from uh Telltale and, you know, from what they told me about it, um, I got really excited. Um, and I, you know, Batman was sort of one of the main comics that I read as a kid, you know, and I've enjoyed, you know, most of the movies, not this latest Batman and Superman one. I thought it was trash. (laughs) Um, but for the most part, I've enjoyed Batman as a media property. Um, you know, the, like the, like 1989 kind of Batman is like still like, definitely one of my favorite movies um and you know um i kind of like the uh nolan take and i just like how like everybody has a different take on bruce wayne and on batman so i'm looking forward to to uh telltale's take on it and i'm really hoping that they really make these some really hard puzzles um because the thing about the walking dead which i would definitely recommend you play the first walking dead um um is they're not really puzzle games. Like there's puzzles you have to figure out, but they're not really, you know, that difficult. But the thing about Batman is he's supposed to be like, you know, essentially the smartest detective around. So I feel like they have to have him solving some really difficult 
kind of puzzles. Um, and I think that that's going to be a challenge because most of the Telltale games are not known for their difficulty. But like, I feel like if you're Batman and you're solving these really simple things, that it's not going to feel right. Like you're not really going to feel like you're like the Cape Crusader if like if like you're not doing like some really tricky kind of like multi-layered puzzles. So so I'm really curious to see their um, approach on that. So. All right, so um, yeah, y'all. August second, make it happen. Um, I am down. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to pre-order it because I don't pre-order games anymore. But um, you know, I I am excited for it. Um, speaking of being excited, um, I was very excited to see um, everyone's favorite, uh, and I can't pronounce his last name, but I know his first name is Milo. Um, who's a writer for Breitbart News um, and just an all-around troll, to be honest. Um, he, uh, you know, was a heavy, heavy supporter of the Gamergate movement um, and really, um, you know, used his legions of followers to often sort of like bully people and like a, and like a, that kind of stuff. He was permanently banned from uh, from Twitter. Um, and this was mostly centered around the, uh, harassment that, uh, Leslie Jones was like uh, receiving for her appearance in the, uh, recent ghost ghostbusters reboot. Um, and like, you know, he's like somebody that's been banned before, but like, this is supposedly like a permanent ban. Um, but you know, he, he's a large voice, but there's obviously millions and millions of like people that like create these accounts and like and like troll troll people every day and people like report these people every day and nothing is ever done um and like this is really bad you know in the uh gaming side as well because if like you have any kind of opinion that differs from the mainstream um you know then people can like really dogpile on you um so yeah um do you see this as sort of like you know, is this like sort of like a victory or like, is it something where like, well, like, well, like we got rid of like one big person, but there's still millions of other trolls that'll, that, uh, that I never end up getting uh, banned, even though they're being reported. This is a band aid um, that Twitter put into place because the wrong person got attacked at the wrong time and too many news reporters picked up on it is really what it is. Twitter is, has never been interested in banning some of the worst trolls and they will only do so when it blows up as big as this has. Um, and I just think that banning one person is... It's just to look cute for the, you know, so that people can feel like you did something, but nothing is really being done. There's no, um, there's, there's not really been any attempt to implement a lot of the, uh, the extension stuff, like the auto blockers, uh, just, just little things that other people have already made to, um, make Twitter safer for them to use. Uh, and... I know at least one person has, like, posted her traffic when um, there's, like, a massive troll attack, and that's what Twitter really cares about, like, seeing those traffic numbers get driven up really high. 
Um, so I just think that, you know, this is something they're doing because the, the monetary benefits finally, uh, you know, they, they weren't high enough to fight the bad press. And as far as other, other trolls are concerned who are, uh, also just viruses, um, on the Twitter community, they're never going to get banned. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that sad though? Like. Cause, cause I agree with you. I do think it's kind of a PR move by like a Twitter, um, but I have yet to see them announce like, here's how we're structurally changing our service. And they never will. Cause that's what it's going to take. They never will. Like, like, yeah. Like that's what it's like going to take. Like it, you know, I was, I was like talking to my friend, um, um, wicked good. Um, and like, he was saying like, yeah, like, it's really going to take a fundamental restructuring of how Twitter works. And are they willing to put that in? Cause that's going to cost money. And as you said, traffic goes up when people get, have these attacks and like a Twitter gets in the news and then people log on to see what's going on. So, you know, are they willing to take that financial loss to make their product safer? I don't know. You know, I think I think it's a win for them in the end if they do it, but it's a short term. You know, if you're looking at it strictly from a numbers perspective, it's probably a short term hit. And I feel like they've been prioritizing that over the safety of people, you know, like it's a shame that it takes a celebrity of one of the biggest movies to get harassed for anything to be done. Like it's it's sad. I mean, it is sad, and um, just in general, like, a lot of the press around Gamergate uh, really ignored a lot of the original targets, a lot of the early targets, a lot of the targets uh, before it became known as Gamergate, and these were mostly, like, black women, black femmes um, on social media, and, like, their stories have never gotten out. So, I mean, I, I really just feel like yay, we got rid of, you know, one big bad, there are a gazillion more, and nobody's going to care when, you know, the vast majority of uh, of black women and black femmes are getting attacked on social media. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, really nuts. Like, um, like uh, a, a, a friend of mine, um, Imani Gandhi, who goes by Angry Black Lady on uh, Twitter, she had a time where every day she was sharing screenshots of the same person creating these different varied versions of account names and just sending her like the N word, like repeatedly over and over. And she kept sending it to Twitter. Like this is obviously a violation of your TOS. Like that's, what's weird about it. People aren't asking for like them to create new terms of service. Like all this stuff is against their terms of service and, and, and we're using the report functionality that they have built into their system. So it's almost like we're using what they have in addition, in addition to the third party stuff that like Randy Harper and these other people made with, you know, block bot and all these things. Like we're using the stuff that was laid out and there's still no action until something of this magnitude basically embarrasses Twitter into doing exactly. something. Exactly. And I honestly don't think not, uh, much is going to change until the embarrassment really hits that level for overall harassment. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Ugh. 
Um, but you know, we 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 have to cleanse cleanse our palates uh, with our final story, which is a happy story, like for me at least. <laughs> is uh, Nintendo announced the mini the mini NES? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not one-to-one. It's like, I don't know what factor, but it's an exact replica of the NES that fits in the palm of your hand. Um, it'll be coming out on November 11th, 60 bucks. It'll have 30 games built in. Um, and the games are, you know, a lot of like classics, like the ones that like you'd expect, like Zelda and Metroid and Mario, but they also have ones like Ghouls and Ghosts, you know, and like Ninja Gaiden, you know, it's a really nice cross section of uh, games, and this is really something that I feel like you know, if like there's a gamer that's that's kind of a lapsed gamer that like hasn't played in like a while, or like you want to introduce someone that's like that that might not have been gaming during this era, or hell, might not have been alive during this era to it. This is perfect. You know, this is much easier than trying to get somebody to, all right, like buy a Wii or Wii U and go to the virtual console and buy each game kind of separately and like, and like do, do like all, all that stuff. Average person isn't going to do that. The only thing I wish that like this thing did is that for people that did invest money in the virtual console games, I wish that this let you load those onto here. That would make it the ultimate thing, but it's kind of like, a standalone thing, HDMI cord, you just like plug it in and like, uh, you can basically plug in like, uh, you know, like, like your classic controllers and Wiimotes and that kind of stuff. So are you as hyped for this as, uh, I am? I am pretty excited for this. Um, but I think, I think that my excitement is, is dampened a little bit simply because I really wasn't allowed to have video games back when the NES was big. So I don't oh. know a lot of the games that are actually going to end up on this console. I do know a few, like Mario Brothers 2, I'm really excited for that one. That was my favorite oh, one. Oh, that's a great game. Yeah, it's an awesome game. So, um... For for that, I'm definitely excited. I'm definitely going to get one. Um, it's going to be, you know, sitting on my mantle next to my other uh, systems. Yeah, it's such a good collectible because it literally, they scaled the NES down. It looks exactly like yeah. the full game, yeah. except it's like tiny. How small you is know, it? Like, I know if I know that the photo that they showed is that it literally fits in the palm of your hand. So I don't know the exact dimensions. I don't think that they've posted those yet, but it's literally like, you know, so it's kind of like the size of like a wallet. I, I you know, of, of, of like a wallet, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I'm so excited for it. I think between Pokemon Go and uh, this move, like this is the most positive press that I've seen like Nintendo get in a long time. Well, um, they did deserve some of that know? negative press, so. Oh yeah, oh no no. I'm I'm not saying that they didn't. I mean, they've done some horrible things from the Alice and Rap situation um to uh y- you know to like their weak explanation to why to why Link can't be a female character, um, you know, to like obviously the just the failure of the Wii U. Like they've definitely had a lot of negative stuff, um, you know. So like I'm not trying to give them too much props, you know. I just like to recognize, you know, when uh, when uh, good things happen. 
Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm excited for this. I do like to like collect different, you know, figures and like things like this. So this will definitely go on the mantle next to my other stuff. And I might even get Khalif, the Nintendo hater to get one. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might get him one for, for, uh, Christmas. So that, so, so that he'll like have to use it. Uh, <laughs> that'll be awesome. <laughs> All right, and uh, we have reached the uh, end of the show. Um, so why don't you let the people know where they can find you and where they can find more more information about um, Resync and about um, you know all of your other projects going on? Um, so the main place that um, uh, information is posted is right on the Twitter. So the Twitter is at Resync the Game. So Resync is spelled R E S Y N C H the game no underscores or anything um and we do have a site called it's all just a program.com uh pretty much spelled as is uh and we'll be updating that um our main site we are uh updating that right now so it's not up yet but uh, you'll be able to find pretty much everything either from twitter or from it's all just a program.com and um of course our itch.io which is timecube.itch.io okay cool awesome awesome um and uh the uh social media business for like uh, our show if you go to spawnon.me um you can get this episode as well as all of our um, previous 125 episodes all on the website um you you can hit us up on a twitter at spawn on me as well and facebook facebook.com slash spawn on me too um sorry spawn on me comma two <laughs> not the number two um and you can also find us at esn.fm slash spawn on me because we are a part of the electric shadow network um so that you can also get our show there um so on behalf of cicero holmes Collie fadams and evie i am Shreve jackson and on this show we will say peace out Bye.